This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. What's up? Not a whole lot. Glad to be back. After a couple of, couple of weeks since our last episode. It's been a minute since we did a recently few, seen episode. few fortnights, so... Sure, y'all dying to hear what great movies we've been watching. <laughs> well, it's the time of the year for those, you know, really good movies. The January, February, March slate, <laughs> where all the best movies are released, especially now when uh, <laughs> when theaters are kind of opening back up and people are just kind of like dumping all their shit into the theater. Although Warner Brothers, they got they got their movies on HBO Max, so that they do. Yeah, the only time worse than like January, February, March for like releasing a movie would be a pandemic. January, February, March. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard um, Tom and Jerry had like thirteen million dollar box office mm-hmm. number went up on Monday, so it. You know, they always adjusted on Monday. Yeah. Later in the day on Monday when all the, the real numbers come in, and it was like 14.1. Still second best to uh, Wonder Woman, but uh, it's a good sign. Is Tenet still out? Uh, yes, because it's going to open in New York. New York and L.A., I think we're going to oh. get Tenet finally. <laughs> yeah, Governor Cuomo's out there like, hey, look, everybody, the movie theaters are open. <laughs> <laughs> is there a leg i feel like there's a leg here yeah fix it in post Are you getting that too <laughs> i feel like i'm talking over you and you're answering stuff that i said five seconds ago yeah we have a weird connection today but we're just gonna deal with it as you said we'll it's make been a it work since we've done our <laughs> been a minute since we've done a recently seen episode Hope you enjoyed our slate of movies we watched in our youth. I think the next batch of movies we're going to talk about are cop movies. Uh, Not necessarily just buddy cop movies, but cop movies in general. They will probably run the gamut in terms of subject matter, genre, and also time period. Yeah, because what is a good idea right now is to talk about policing. But, (laughs) you know... (laughs) We didn't really think about that. We're, we're, just, we're just like, there's a lot of really good movies about cops. Let's talk <laughs> about some of them. Uh, and I've been weirdly obsessed with this movie called The Rookie. It was directed and stars uh, Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen. And Clint Eastwood is raped in it. And <laughs> it just seems like a movie you need to talk about, like a novelty. But, uh, but we'll see if we do that one or not. I'm not entirely sure. It has its moments, but it's not the best. It's like it's the Derek Chauvin <laughs> biopic 30 years in advance. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen it, but we might have to do an episode on it. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Chauvin gets really related to the rookie at all, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could relate it to our uh, the topic. Well, I'm thinking if he gets convicted, if he gets convicted, he might be on the end of uh, <laughs> of a raping. It's <laughs> a good point. I didn't think of that. Although they probably put him in a isolation. <laughs> I don't think he's going gen pop. Yeah, it's. I don't really want to commentate comment on it too much 
um, it's ongoing. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, last time we had a recently seen episode, you challenged me to watch the Omega Man, which I did. And we'll talk about today, which means that, yeah, I got to think of something to challenge you to next. But uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, so let's get into recently seen movies. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? Now, we both saw a new motion picture that was released about a month ago called The Little Things in theaters and streaming on HBO Max, although it actually just left as of, was it last week? No, this, yeah. I think maybe last Sunday it left. So it's just in theaters Yeah, because they're only on there for 30 days. Yep. So I'll go over the details here. Directed by John Lee Hancock. Starring Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, Jared Leto, Chris Bauer. Is it Michelle Hyatt? Spelled Michael, but it's a woman. She played the coroner. That I'm not sure. Wasn't she in Suicide Squad? She was a Nightcrawler. Yep. True Detective. But it's spelled Michael. Wouldn't you think it's Michelle or something? Unless her name's Michael. I'm not sure. Every time I come across this actress, I have the same questions. Yeah. Also starring Terry Kinney, Natalie Morales, Isabel uh, Ariza. George Jarsky, Glenn Morshower, and Judith Scott. They'll about do it. Synopsis. Kern County Deputy Sheriff Joe Deacon is sent to Los Angeles for what should have been a quick evidence-gathering assignment. Instead, he becomes embroiled in the search for a serial killer who is terrorizing the city. So this has gotten a lot of buzz, although I seem to remember when it came out initially, that buzz was kind of met with headlines like, what was all that buzz about? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you got Denzel and Rami Malek and uh, Jared Leto. Like it isn't very good. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I got, I saw a lot of negative uh, reviews, very few like really positive reviews that I saw online for this. Yeah, with three Oscar winners together, you know, they expect it to be a pretty big powerhouse. And I think they're all given ample space to kind of flesh out their characters and ham it up for the camera in their own way. See, I thought Rami Malek was horribly miscast as like the hard-ass police detective that kind of runs the show. Like I didn't buy him as a tough guy. Yeah, I kind of I got, I got the same feeling. You felt out of place. Like I, I said, they you know they kind of got a chance to flesh out their characters. Like they all kind of got their own screen time, basically to kind of you know su- submit their uh, their highlights to the academy. Right. But uh, I was kind of like watching it. And I'm thinking, this is the guy that won Bass Actor last year. <laughs> this this is him. <laughs> Like it wasn't horrible, but it was just didn't see why he was cast there. Right. I didn't see the movie where he played Freddie Mercury, but I'm guessing that was closer to his like you know, regular personality. Not necessarily regular personality, but like he was a he was probably a better fit as Freddie Mercury than as the hard nosed, tough as nails detective who doesn't take shit from anybody. Because like he usually plays like pretty, like like Freddie Mercury's pretty flamboyant and outgoing and whatever. But like he usually plays like subdued characters who are like like more like subtle, I guess. I don't know how else to describe it, but he definitely seemed out of place in that role. In fact, I thought him and Jared Leto could probably change roles and would probably. Even though I thought Jared Leto was fantastic in this movie, I think if he and Rami Malek switched roles, it might have been better for the movie overall. Because I think Jared Leto could have probably yep. pulled off that tough cop role better than Rami Malek. 
And Rami Malek would probably be mm-hmm. better suited to play the creepy true crime fan who uh, yeah. gets into shit. And then Denzel's Denzel, you know. Yeah, I mean, for Freddie Mercury, he looked like he was coked out and had AIDS. So, like, he kind of <laughs> fit the part. It doesn't work when you're trying to be, like, an intimidating presence on the force. Right. And it's like, well, <laughs> a stiff breeze could blow him over. I don't know how old he is, but, like, like he's – so he's born in 81. So he's older than I thought he was. But he looks super young. And then on top of it, like, yeah. you know that he's an openly gay man, but he's out here playing a, a straight uh, detective with a wife and kids. And it's like, I don't know if I buy that romance there between him and the wife, you know? He is gay, huh? I didn't even really look into it. Yeah. You know, he was on Michael Rappaport's uh, sitcom on Fox, like, years and years ago. And he was the gay neighbor on there. He came out on the show. And uh, I think he came out later in real life. But Like the rest of the country, I didn't watch that show either. <laughs> <laughs> it was on a couple seasons. I watched it pretty regularly. It was, it was decent. It wasn't great. It was a family. I like, it was a family you know, I like comedy. Mike, <laughs> I like Michael Rappaport in like his 90s roles and whatnot. But he's just such a, a douchebag the past like decade of his life. Yeah, I just find him annoying, like, every time I see him now. He lives the gimmick. <laughs> like, he played that role so frequently that he just became it. <laughs> My favorite is that he was a neo-Nazi in um, higher learning, even though he's Jewish in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a, an interesting casting choice. Much like casting Rami Malek as the lead detective in this movie mm-hmm. uh, Denzel was pretty good yeah I thought the story was kind of goofy with Denzel just like doing whatever, whatever the fuck he wants even though he's a sheriff's <laughs> deputy he's like he's like I'm doing this case now like okay it has nothing to do with you and you don't work for the agency so yeah you can come do all the interviews and you know fuck up all the crime scenes and all this shit <laughs> and, then, yeah, like- and then he ends up being like the best detective of them all yeah yeah like you i i liked uh jared leto in here i thought he was pretty good uh i thought denzel was really good as well and there's a scene in there in particular it's the scene where denzel goes and talks to his ex-wife he talks to her outside her house It's, it's a very short scene but in that scene i was just kind of in awe of denzel my god this guy's he's still got it he's still got the chops and it's just wasted on this movie. Right. <laughs> I mean, I found that part out at the end. He's got the best line in the movie, though. They brought in Jared Leto to interrogate him as a suspect, and they're showing him like photos of murder victims. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Denzel goes, "Why is that?" And then they, you know, he's like, "Why not?" You know, and then Denzel like pushes him against the wall. You don't really know what he's talking about. And then he goes, your dick is hard as Chinese arithmetic. <laughs> and I just busted out laughing at that. <laughs> I also laughed when Jared Leto and Rami Malek were driving in a car together. And Jared Leto was like, you're a terrible detective, <laughs> just by the way. <laughs> like, yeah, he is. I don't know. I, it was a really kind of uneven movie. Um, it's kind of a, a basic crime uh, thriller. The ending was a little bit different. Um, I thought the ending was, was a little bit better than the rest of, of the movie. What would you give it? I mean, it is a slow burn, and I'm fine with slow burns, especially if it's engaging and has a big payoff. But the payoff wasn't too great. Good performances, but overall, I, I can't find myself going back to revisit this one too often. So I'd say a last resort. I, I agree with the last resort. Um, although I, I didn't think the payoff was great, but I thought it was, they try to make it unique um, versus how a lot of other movies would have ended that story. So 
I, I yeah. think that bumps, bumps it up a little bit more in my in my eyes, but it's still a, a last resort overall. It's a last resort. All right. So since I did the uh, movie challenge, you get to go first on your next movie. We're going to talk about um, four each today, although we shared the little things. So three more from you and three more from me. All right. This movie, IMDb says it's from 2019, but it was originally going to come out in theaters 2020, and then it debuted on Epics in February, I want to say. It's called Saint Maud, and it's um, written and directed by Rose Glass, and it stars, oh boy, she got one of them Gaelic names. Morphied? Morphite? I don't know how to say this actress's name. Morphied Clark? I'm sure that's completely wrong. Uh, Jennifer Ale. Lily it's pronounced Knight. Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> it's probably Have like you been seeing that? <laughs> Have you been seeing that stuff on uh, Twitter? Like Scorsese has been trending a lot the past couple of weeks and everyone just says it's pronounced Saoirse. i don't read the comments a lot so um lily frazier turlo convery um it's really mostly a two-person cast though um synopsis synopsis starts with the word follows so i assume i'm supposed to say the the title first saint maude follows a pious nurse who becomes dangerously obsessed with saving the soul of her dying patient. So this is another kind of like a slow burn artsy fartsy horror movie, you know, which have been come, they, they've become, they have become very popular recently. Um, this type of thing. And I think this was also produced by a 24. So it kind of fits with their slate of movies that they've, kind of become known for recently yeah so like most of the movie is just kind of building the relationship between Maud and her patient whose character's name is amanda uh and the patient she used to be a uh like a professional dancer and now she's got cancer and she needs a living nurse to help her with things and so Maud has kind of found god again um, and is kind of a born again Christian type, and so like she kind of becomes uh, protective of Amanda after Amanda kind of like tells her like, "Oh, you're my angel. You're going to save my soul." And so it kind of builds from there, and then um, at some point, there's a bit of a you know falling out, I would say, um, where Amanda kind of dismisses the whole religious aspect of the relationship and so mod starts to kind of like down you know go down the downward spiral um and then the ending is kind of cuckoo bananas i didn't see the ending coming uh the way it did the atmosphere is fantastic it's really well shot it looks great uh, although it is pretty dark i thought even though it was a slow burn it doesn't like get boring it is only an hour and 24 minutes so um, it doesn't drag despite the pacing i've been seeing a lot of like people saying that it should be nominated for oscars and i don't think it was like to that level but i think it's worth seeing so i'll give saint maude a wtm eventually eventually all right I saw another film from 2021, currently streaming on HBO Max and in theaters. I saw Judas and the Black Messiah, directed by Shaka King, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, Dominic Fishback, Ashton Sanders, uh, Algie Smith, Daryl Britt Gibson, Lil Rel Howery, Dominic Thorne, Martin Sheen, 
Mari Chedham, Chris Davis, Ian Duff. I think that'll do it. Synopsis. Bill O'Neill infiltrates the Black Panther Party per FBI agent Mitchell and J. Edgar Hoover. As party chairman uh, Fred Hampton ascends, falling for a fellow revolutionary en route, a battle wages for O'Neill's soul. So Kaluuya is playing Fred Hampton and Lakeith Stanfield is the FBI informant William O'Neill. So I didn't really know much about Fred Hampton going into this. All I really knew was that I knew he was a leader in the Black Panther Party and that he was killed by cops in the FBI in his sleep. There was a, you know, a shootout, but mm-hmm. there was like 90 some bullets fired into the apartment and only one out. Sounds about right. Going into it deeper, like in looking into the case, I believe that one shot fired out was from a shotgun, but uh, I think forensic investigators believe that it was from somebody who was shot and falling over backwards because they said like the angle of the shot like went, uh, it was like fired like from the ground, like up. I think it might've gone into the ceiling or the top part of the door or something. It wasn't like they weren't just shooting out the door. It wasn't like a defensive shot. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty fascinating. Um, Obviously the movie takes some liberties with, you know, maybe putting certain events together to make it, you know, more coherent story. Um, There wasn't too much that they really invented for this movie. A lot of the stuff in your head, at least some um, authentic merit and factual basis. But uh, it was pretty fascinating, especially learning about his Rainbow Coalition. Did you know anything about that? No, I don't really know any of that story. Because he wanted to unite unite more groups, not just the Black Panthers. And there are other black um, groups and gangs in Chicago, and they weren't all united and that's what fred hampton is trying to do but he also brought in people of other uh, races Uh, there was a puerto rican group that he brought in and also a white group called the young patriots Uh oh that was like a redneck it was like (laughs) a left-wing redneck group like they they walk into this meeting of this young patriots and there's a big confederate flag up on the wall but by the end of the meeting they're united which was Mm. (laughs) <laughs> kind of jarring to see that. And I was like, did he really get a bunch of white rednecks to join him? And yeah, he did. <laughs> um, and I think I'd even heard the, the term Rainbow Coalition, but didn't know what, you know, what it meant. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of fascinating tidbits in here. Um, I couldn't say that uh, I agree with 100% of what Fred Hampton stood for, but pretty close i mean he was a big socialist and i'm not uh not not much of a socialist myself but um uh, i found it very fascinating uh there's a lot to admire there and obviously what he was mostly fighting for was very just and um, called for and appropriate for the time uh, fascinating character all around there are good performances in here uh, jesse Plemons is kind of still up and coming you know, Breaking Bad, and then he's a Fargo, and The Master, and he's in this. And now he's he took over Leo's role in that new Scorsese movie, Killers of the Flower Moon. Have you heard of that? I think I did. You know, he's been up and coming for like 15 years now. Yeah. Well, this will be like his first starring role in a major film, you know, coming from Scorsese. He's usually a supporting character. I always think that he's, well, I usually think he's the best thing in pretty much everything I see him in. He's a good actor. Yeah, Leo switched to a a supporting role from the main role. Interesting. That's what, that's what, yeah. So Leo's still in it. Like Leo didn't quit. He just switched to a supporting role and now Plemons is the main character. So that's pretty uh, interesting. Especially Robert De Niro's in it too. Probably gets paid the same either way. (laughs) Yeah. 
Bobby got to pay that alimony. Yeah. Uh, so I thought I felt Judas and the Black Messiah was very informative. Obviously, I encourage you to uh, kind of look at the the real story afterwards and kind of compare the historical accuracy of it all. Like I said, it's pretty close, but it was also interesting kind of read up more. And I didn't before the movie because I wanted to kind of watch the movie first. But uh, yeah, I would uh, highly recommend this. I will give it a soonish. Soonish. There you go. What else have you been ripping? I watched a 2020 movie that I had hoped to see in theaters last year. I think I saw the trailer several times when I was still going to the theater um, just over a year ago. And I think it was always given like a late February release date in the end of the trailer. And then it, it must've been a limited release. So I never got to see it in the theater. I believe it's on HBO now. It's called Wendy. And it's directed by Ben Zeitlin. And it stars Devin France, Joshua Mack, Gage Naquin, Gavin Naquin, Ahmad Cage, Christoph Mein, Romiri Ross, Lowell Landis, Kevin Pugh, Shea Walker. And the synopsis is, Lost on a mysterious island where aging and time have come unglued, Wendy must fight to save her family, her freedom, and the joyous spirit of youth from the deadly peril of growing up. This is a very loose adaptation of the Peter Pan story. Okay. And it's it's another one that's very kind of an art house style. A lot of... Um, you know, focus on um, visuals. And I think, you know, it's gotten a lot of bad reviews on like IMDb. And I think it's because a lot of people thought it was going to be like straight up Peter Pan uh, remake. And it's not. It's very, like I said, very loosely based on Peter Pan. It focuses, uh, uh, focuses on a family, uh, a single mother and her three kids. Somewhere in the the southern United States, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And they live in an apartment above a diner that the mom owns and runs. And there's a train track that runs next door, or, you know, right next to it. And so the daughter, Wendy, and her two twin brothers, um, they end up jumping the train after they see a, a little boy kind of running across the top of it. And they end up it says it's an island. I don't know if it's actually an island, but they end up in this place where there's several other children, including one of their friends who ran away like six years ago and he hasn't aged. And so who knows how long these kids are there. They don't age unless they get sad and then they they age really fast. So much of this movie is about the kind of, joys of youth and the importance of hanging on to your um your young years and and making the most of it but it's also about like you know you got to grow up sometime and um you gotta make sure that you're doing it the right way mm-hmm. i really enjoyed it i thought it was great um i thought it was filmed really well the characters were really engaging and the story was familiar but unique at the same time so i would recommend it to to anybody go see it wtm eventually eventually all right i'm going to talk about a film from 1981 thief directed by michael mann starring james Kahn, tuesday weld willie nelson jim belushi Robert Prosky, Tom Signorelli, Dennis Farina, Nick Nikias. I think that'll about do it. Synopsis. An ace safecracker wants to do one last big heist for the mob before going straight. A very unique storyline that you've never <laughs> seen before. <laughs> but this has Jim Belushi. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Although this is back in 81, so this wasn't uh, as like a cliche storyline at the time. But um, I heard, I've heard a lot about this over the years. I think there's even a Criterion thief or, you know, a thief in the Criterion collection. I'm not sure, but I know it was like Michael Mann's first big film and a good starring vehicle for James Caan. And it is, uh, it is that. Believe the hype, people, about Thief from 81. James Caan was uh, pretty terrific in here as the ace safecracker. Does jobs all over and then finds himself indebted to the mob. And he kind of doesn't really want to. They want him to do a job for him. He doesn't want to. Well, too bad. They're the mob. He got to do it. And so he kind of just wants to do one last score and then basically retire. Wants, to, wants that perfect uh, life with his wife and soon-to-be soon to child. And things don't necessarily go according to plan. Dun, dun, dun. It sounds like the premise of that Liam Neeson movie that came out in like December. Yeah, what was that called again? I forget. I don't remember. He was like a bank robber, and then he was like going to give all the money back so he could marry his girlfriend or something. I don't know. But he was, I think there were some dirty FBI agents or something were chasing him down. It sounds like a similar thing. Like, I want to retire from the trade and then go be a normal civilian and raise a family or stuff, something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. But you're uh, you're asking about Jim Belushi. He was pretty good in here. It was kind of weird seeing him. He's like uh, part of his James Conn's crew, one of his trusted trusted buddies. Uh, Willie Nelson was it was kind of weird seeing him too. It seems like Willie Nelson's just <laughs> always been old. <laughs> I think so. I mean, he's in his eighties, oh, or is he up to ninety or something these days? He's up. I know he's in his like mid eighties at least. Something like that. Every time I think of every time I hear about Willie Nelson, I just picture him at WrestleMania seven singing America the Beautiful, just covered in WWF paraphernalia. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, uh bandana, Bret Hart sunglasses, got the toy championship belt on. I mean he was all in. I don't I assume it was all swag. But, I mean, it was 100% all in for Willie Nelson. That was back in 91, and he looked old back then. <laughs> yeah, it says here he was born on April 29th, 33. So he's about to turn, what, 88 in April? Damn. If my public school math serves me right. Just feel that weed he smoked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's good tension in here. It's a bit of a slow burn. But uh, pretty fascinating, especially uh, seems like you get get a few pointers if you're trying to crack safes. If you li- at least if you lived in the '80s, like now I don't think it would help you too much. But um, yeah, I found it uh, pretty fascinating. Good performances. It's always good to see Dennis Farina. This is one of his first movies, if not the first. I think it takes place in Chicago, and that's uh, that's where um, Farina was a. I think it was a what do you call it? A consultant for this film. Others like it. Oh. You know, he, started, he was a Chicago cop for many years before you get into the business. I believe it. Yeah, this was the first film he acted in. I'm trying to see if they give him any more credits, the consulting credits. Kind of hard to go through it right now, but yeah, this is kind of where you got to start. Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend this. I will give it another soonish. Got two soonishes oh in a row. Soonish. So, my next movie is from 1989, and it's called Lean on Me. This is the movie I used to always get mixed up with Stand by Me, just because their titles mm-hmm. are similar and they're taken from old fucking pop songs Mm -hmm. stars Morgan Freeman Beverly Todd Robert William I forget it's Benson (laughs) 
you might know him better as Benson. Alan North, Lynn Thigpen, Robin Bartlett, Michael Beach, Ethan Phillips, Sandra Reeves Phillips, a bunch of other people. Uh, the synopsis is, the dedicated but tyrannical Joe Clark is appointed the principal of a decaying inner city school. He is determined to improve by any and all means. So this kind of falls in to the category of movies of the, you know, the teacher comes in to the, save the inner city school. Only in this case, it's a black principal instead of a white, like, English teacher. Um, Morgan Freeman is fantastic. He basically just yells at people the whole movie, and he often is using a, a bullhorn to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's basically like him whipping this school into shape and, you know, doing uh, things that are kind of outside the box to do it. Kind of the the background of the the movie is so like it it starts in 1967, and uh, this Joe Clark is a teacher at the school, and he's trying to put the union together, but um, they're not letting him kind of be a leader in the union because um, they don't want to push buttons too hard, uh, you know, with the race aspect of it. So he kind yeah. of gets. Uh, demoted, he gets demoted to like a elementary school or something like that. Well, 20 years later, the school that he had previously taught at has been overrun with thugs and drugs and violence and, you know, who knows what else. And the demographics have changed considerably. I actually really enjoyed the opening credit scene that's set to Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. And it's like the perfect just way to introduce all the problems in the school with the perfect song in the background. Fantastic. But Morgan Freeman is amazing in this movie. Um, you really root for him. You root for the kids who are trying. And, and you, you hope that they achieve their goals by the end of it. And I got to say, like, I know a lot of people rave about this movie. Um, I think it's a little bit under the radar in certain, um, mm -hmm. certain uh, among certain people. But I would recommend it uh, soonish. Soonish. Lean on me. Go see it. I think it's on HBO Max right now. Yeah, I think I put it on my list. I've been meaning to watch that. So I completed... The movie challenge for The Omega Man from 1971, directed by Boris Sagal or Sagal. Would it be Sagal, you think? That would be my guess. Starring Charlton Heston, Anthony Zerby, Rosalind Cash, Paul Costo or Coslo, Eric Lenouville, Lincoln Kilpatrick. Jill Giraldi, Brian Toshi, Deveran uh, Brookwa Brookwalter, John Dirks or Dirkus. Synopsis Biological war has decimated life on Earth. Los Angeles is a windswept ghost town where Robert Neville tools his convertible through sunlit streets foraging for supplies. I don't think I've ever heard that term before. Tooling your convertible through sun tools is convertible through sunlit streets. Uh, I think I've heard. You drive around, you tool your car around. Well, I, yeah, I think I've heard tool used in a similar way. Maybe not that exact specific way. Cause this wasn't by a user. This is an IMDB synopsis here. <laughs> Let's see if I can find the definition. Oh, informal. <laughs> Don't look up tool. <laughs> well, tools as a verb is informal North American for driver ride in a casual or leisurely manner. Okay. So they used it correctly. Well, then that fits because he certainly does that. Until he crashes, until he hits the curb. 
Yeah. So this is a remake of uh, The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price, correct? Uh, I don't know if it's so much a remake of that movie in as much as it's a different adaptation of the I Am Legend novel. Okay. But, I mean, technically, I guess you could say it's a remake. Um, They both have the same source material. Yeah, another iteration. Just like I Am Legend in, uh, was it 07 with Will Smith? Yeah. Well, I had never seen this, and it was a delight. I loved the uh, the sets in here. So much fun. They do a really good job of creating that, that world. It's kind of cool with all the empty streets in L.A. And I know in I Am Legend, the Will Smith one, that's in New York. And they kind of do the same thing, but there's also a lot of some CGI used. Yeah. Especially for like, you know, like the animals running through it and like the long, tall grass growing through the cracks in the streets. You know, God forbid they, you know, do that. Gotta have a CGI deer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although I'm sure that uh, they probably didn't have enough time, you know, to shut down the streets for that long that they could put all this, all these fake cracks and grass and dirt growing through, you know, all this, undergrowth if you will to cover the street (laughs) yeah it was really cool everything just kind of dilapidated and the makeup was really cool with uh you know they're not really zombies but they're i guess creatures of the evening (laughs) yeah i i I know a lot of people call them vampires Mm -hmm. um but they're not i don't think they're technically vampires like I think they listed a bunch of the symptoms of, like the sickness they call. I think they call it the sickness, and like it killed a bunch of people, but other people it just kind of mutated them. Yeah, and so like it gives them like albinism and a severe, um, severe sensitivity um, to light. Light sensitivity. Um, they're not like they don't really seem like blood suckers or anything like that but it's mostly like light sensitivity and yeah. pale skin. They do not like Charlton Heston, Robert Neville at all. <laughs> they kind <laughs> of, uh, they envy him and they also hate him at the same time because they blame kind of mankind for their condition. And so now they've, but they've kind of, at least the leaders kind of flipped it on its ear saying that, you know, their way of life now is the way to go. And um, if you know if you don't have a sickness, then you are sick, kind of basically. Right. So the leader used to be a like a news anchor in the before time, mm-hmm. and he kind of created a cult of all the inf- infected people, and they don't use any technology. Everything's like pre-technological stuff, like no electronics or anything like that. Um, they don't even use guns. But Robert Nelville, he just tools around and shoots at anything that moves. So (laughs) his day consists of driving around and mapping the the city for nests of the uh, infected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, along the way, he does meet some other people that are are not sick. Yep. So one thing leads to another. I mean, I don't want to give too much away before we get into spoilers for a movie from 71, but... (laughs) Yeah, it was a this movie is a whole lot of fun. Um, basically, the whole movie is just them trying to kill Charlton Heston <laughs> every night. <laughs> but um, yeah, great sets, uh, a lot of fun. Um, I would definitely recommend this. Uh, let's see, I'll give this one a soonish as well. Why not? It's pretty fucking good. Soonish. I'd say. So, have, have you seen the other any of the? Have you seen I Am Legend? You've seen that, right? Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen the Will Smith one, but you haven't seen the the uh, Vincent Price one. No, I'd say Omega Man is my favorite of the three, and then the Vincent Price one is the second. And mm-hmm. I Am Legend is kind of garbage compared to those two. Yeah, like I Am Legend changes it, or like it's too different. I think mm-hmm. they, they they made it worse. All right, well. 
I guess I have to challenge you to a movie to watch for next week or next episode, I should say, because it probably won't be next week. This is a challenge. I don't want to send you back to Bond just yet. Because <laughs> I had you watch uh, Neon Demon and I had you yeah. watch. What was the other one I had you watch? I think Neon Demon was the last one. Yeah, the one before that was on your on Her Majesty's Secret Service, I think. Okay. Well, uh, I'll just have you complete the uh, the Refn Neon trilogy. So you've seen Drive, you've seen the Neon Demon. So I'll give you the one in the middle. Give you only God forgives. Oh, good. That's been so on my let list. Let me know if that's streaming. I think it's on Amazon. Let me see. Because I did put it on my list and I almost watched it once or twice. I just didn't pull the trigger. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime right now. Wait, no, it's not. What the hell? I would say it's more strange than Neon Demon. Definitely more so than Drive. Drive is still pretty pretty accessible by the general moving going population so it says it's on amazon prime but when you click on it it says video not available hmm. they must have taken it off you have to let me know i gave the blu-ray if you need it i'll look and i'll let you know okay. i can't find it but it is a short watch it's only 90 minutes or so not mad at that well, um, before we get into a deeper discussion, some spoilers for the Omega Man, uh, why don't we wrap up the show a little bit? Why don't you tell the folks at home where they can get some lovely merchandise and talk a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, you can head over to teespring.com slash store slash WTM watch this movie. Hook yourself up with some sweet WTM merch. Got t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, even a couple face masks out there. Um, if you're still doing that thing. Uh, you can also check out <laughs> you can also check out the Positively Wolfy podcast on all podcast apps for some unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. It's a, a fun little uh, look at some real news stories that don't sound very real so look that up all right uh yeah you can email the show here at uh watch this movie at yahoo.com follow us on twitter at watch this underscore movie or brett at positively wolf one you can check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com and please rate and review subscribe on apple podcasts stitcher spotify and many other podcast apps What do you want to talk about? I, I, I will say I, uh, I did have a little bit of a crush on his, uh, on his main squeeze towards the end of the movie. She was quite fetching, I thought. Yeah. I'm a sucker for those 70s afros. <laughs> I really like those. He didn't waste any time. He's like, I haven't seen a woman in 10 years. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm 30 years older than you, but who cares? <laughs> He's only like 48 when he made the movie. Uh, yeah, I suppose that's about right. Although she, but she could have been, been like older 20, than so. Yeah, she had to be in her twenties <laughs> for sure. That was her brother, right? That was sick. Yeah. Okay, that was weird because like, like she's sitting in their in their bedroom, butt ass naked, and there's like no doors or anything, and her brother's like in the next room, just like facing the bed. <laughs> Yeah, or like the night before. Like no wonder he had ran like dinner away. Or whatever when they're talking and, you know, they kind of, they get down to business pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose, you know, they've, they haven't really had opportunities. Well, she's, I mean, she's, she's she, had a little bit, but. She'd been living with those two dudes, but they had no. like, what, six or eight kids with them. So, who knows? Yeah. But um, I liked when the. <laughs> I did. I did like 
the uh, all the times that Neville would come back and they just like try to jump on his on his car and get in the garage and shit. And then they were like launching fireballs into his fucking balcony. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, why don't they just burn his house down? (laughs) It's made of brick. Did you read the three little pigs? Yeah, no, but it was, you know, it's a wood on the inside. That didn't stop him from those. Once they started shooting, throwing fireballs in there, I'm like, finally. Right. (laughs) Reminded me of Scarface when the guy uh, scaled the wall. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Everything was fine until he hooked up with that chick. (laughs) You know? That's how it goes. It's kind of funny. It was just like, it was so like like mundane of thing for him to come home every night and just have to dispatch to three or four bad guys because they try to get in like every night. He's just like, yeah, whatever. He's just so casual about it. I did like how they kind of turned it on him. Like the, uh, the cult leaders are like, this dude's out here killing us every night for no fucking reason, you know, and we're just trying to kill him so we can live. But he just, he took out like three more guys just tonight, you know? <laughs> and Charles Neston's just like talking to his little statue, his bust. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, who was that? Caesar? Yeah, something like that. Playing chess. He's <laughs> like, what will we have for dinner tonight? You didn't go, did you? Is it my turn? <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I, I guess comparing it to the Will Smith version of I Am Legend, like I think this one's head and shoulders above that as far as like every aspect. Like the story's better, the characters are more interesting. Like you know, they didn't dehumanize the infected people. Like it was I haven't read the book, but I assume it's truer to the book in that the the people who are infected are still people it's just it's more of a like a like a metaphor presumably for some other kind of social ails if you will yeah yeah he's living all high and mighty up on the third floor or fourth floor or whatever it was a little penthouse type place yeah i thought he should have gotten a different uh home of operations different pad well that's the thing he's like i lived in that building for however many years and they're not about to make me move you know yeah. like like it's my <laughs> home they're not gonna take me out of my home yeah like dude you could have just left like before everybody else started showing up because he was gonna finally leave mm-hmm. and then he got you know murdered at the end but you know, it's it's questionable as to whether or not he deserved it. Like, you know, he is going around just fucking murdering all these people because they're infected with this disease. But then again, like, they're also trying to kill him the whole time, too. So it's like, eh, you know, but yeah, um, when he's finally- I kind of took it as like, like the impression I got was there was like before the movie starts, there's obviously story that we don't see. And I just figured it was kind of like, well, they've had this back and forth for ever since the pandemic or whatever started, you know, right. That they probably tried to kill him first or something or other. Like I doubt he just started killing people willy nilly because they're infected, but I guess it's possible. They did have a couple flashback scenes. They had the scene where he survives a helicopter crash. Yeah. You know, he's the only one that they have a, a vaccine that they're transporting and the, the helicopter crashes and he takes the only dose and injects himself. And then later in the movie, he's able to use his blood to create more vaccines. But then yeah. also, like I said, the leader, the leader of the cult was a news anchor and he was kind of a doomsayer who, you know, kind of used it to gain power after the effect so obviously I, I think i think charles and heston's character naturally considers the infected people to be enemies because he's seen people die from it 
and he doesn't want them to infect him yeah. with with that. Um, so he wants to keep them, you know, at a distance. Whereas the other people are seeing, you know, we're the next uh, evolution of humanity, and we need to wipe out anybody who opposes that. So it's kind of a natural, you know, dichotomy. But yeah, for sure, they've been at it for a while. It's really ambiguous as to who's right and who's not. I think it's kind of a, a gray area on both sides. Mm-hmm. So I thought they did a great job with, with that aspect of it, where it's not like clear cut, like, here's the good guy, here's the bad guy, cheer for the good guy. Yeah, I thought he just might make it, get away. He was close. Wasn't meant to be. Speaking See, of Scarface, uh, how about him dying in that little uh, pool? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Because uh, Will Smith also, he dies in I Am Legend, right? I think he does. I think he blows himself up. He blows himself. Of, yeah, he blows himself up. Yeah, because they like are breaking down the door into his lab or whatever. There's like a glass divider in his basement. And mm-hmm. he's doing experiments on one of their family members and they just start headbutting the glass and then he like straps a bomb to himself or something stupid like that. Yeah. But I think he gets all of them. Or at least the other people get away. The like in, in that movie un- unaffected like, people. Yeah. In that movie the infected people are just like mindless zombies who they're like animals, you know, for yeah like a better term i mean it's i think that's a lot of the reason why people didn't like it because it's so generic and it takes away that you know moral ambiguity ambiguity as to you know whose side is actually right Mm -hmm. because who cares if you're operating on a fucking zombie (laughs) who cares Will Smith is trying to save him. <laughs> Was he though? Well, yeah, that one I, I definitely got more of an impression that you know Will Smith is trying to find a cure every day. Like he was, because he had that one, he kind of hid in his lab like the whole movie, and he was trying a different serum on him every day, and oh, nothing right. was working. So he was kind of trying to find a cure every day. And this one, it was, I mean, he does come up with a cure at the end. I mean, I guess he kind of had it in the flashback. Yeah. But he, he isn't trying to save humanity throughout the entire movie. Right. But yeah, it goes along with his character. Kind of plays into that ambiguity a bit, as you were speaking of before. What else? I don't know if I have any other thing, anything else I really wanted to point out. It's a relatively short movie. Hour and 38. Yeah. And it's a pretty simplistic plot. So, I mean, there's not a, you know, there's a, it's, it's a pretty, like we talked about, it's a pretty deep premise, but like it's told in kind of a very simplistic way. It's pretty cool. Uh, wrench thrown into the plans when the generator runs out of gas. He <laughs> forgets it because he was up banging all night, I think. <laughs> I think that's why he ran out. <laughs> Yeah. Got to check it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the the lights are out and the fences are down. Everything was fine until that woman showed up. I like how they're like, they go into the stores and they just start uh, trying on clothes. I get naked immediately before they start shopping so they can try on clothes it, whatever. And then. Like, Charlton Heston doesn't even hesitate. He just starts unloading his fucking Uzi or whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like at the first sight of movement. He's not taking any chances. Yep, I'm glad I watched it. and glad I know now what uh, Hunter's profile pic is on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter from Midnight Movie Cowboys. Check out their podcast. A lot of good ones recently. Yeah, they've really upped their uh, output. So glad to see that. I don't know if we'll keep up with that pace, but we'll keep bringing you 
content as we get to it. Other than that, uh, I guess we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. Hey, man, you lost my case.